we're going to, we're standing in honor of God's word. As I share with you uh, very, very often, we stand uh, out of a tradition we received from the book of Nehemiah from the priest Ezra, as he and, and the, the priests were reading through the books of Moses, the five books of Moses. We're, we're just going to go through 16 verses here, so not a big deal to stand for, for this. Um, verse 33 is where I'm, going to, where I'm going to start, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version of God's Word. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my ear to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. So shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love and I will meditate on your statutes. And Father, I pray that as we go through these two stanzas of this psalm, that you will just pour your spirit out to give us understanding. Lord, might he do his work of glorifying Jesus. Might he do his work of being our teacher, of bringing all things to remembrance of of opening the, the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we might have understanding. Might he give us the wisdom that we need to apply these truths to our lives, to teach us how to act, and even how to think. And so, Lord, have your way. Be glorified during this time, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. These next two stanzas that we're looking at tonight are the fifth and the sixth stanzas in this psalm. As, as you guys know, the 119th psalm is made up of 22 stanzas. Each of these stanzas begins with uh, a, a, a letter of the alphabet as it goes from the first letter, Aleph, and, and now we're at the fifth and sixth letters, uh, He beginning in verse 33, and then to begin verse 40, 41, Vav. I have W-A-W -W in, my, in my Bible. Uh, I, I looked into other, other sources. V-A-V -V is, is more common. So uh, He and, and Vav are, are these two letters 
of the alphabet that, that these stanzas actually begin with. And again, the focus on the blessings, the value, the, uh, the, 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 the way that the Lord, through his word, does so much for us. All the things that God's word does for us and what it does for our hearts and so forth. And that's what we're going to be looking at, continuing to look at, look at tonight as we go through these two stanzas together. So in verse 33, the, uh, we begin with, with these words in this 33rd verse. In fact, let's read verse 33 and 34 together once again. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall, may, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Well, one thing I do want to call your attention to before we get into this is that in verses 33 to 39, you'll see that these are all prayers, they're requests of the Lord for, the, for, for, for God to do something. The psalmist is, is asking God to do these things. Uh, teach me, give me understanding, make me walk, incline my heart, turn away my eyes, establish your word, take away my reproach. These are things that, that the psalmist is asking God to do for him. And certainly he had the, the understanding that all these things, well, let me reword that, none of these things he was able to do and needed God to do them for him. So it's all about the grace of God, his ministry to us, and all the things he does, all the things that he will do for us. And none of these things, and we'll be going down through these verses, of course, but all of them, if we are to gain in any of these ways, if we are going to be taught, if we're going to have understanding, for example, it has to come from God. God doing for us the things that we cannot do for ourselves. That, of course, salvation is the first thing that that applies to. But it applies to so many other things as we walk with the Lord. We need His grace. So teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Teach me and give me understanding in these two first two verses. In John 7, 17... Jesus said, if anyone wills to do his will, speaking, of course, of the Father, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Now, the context of this is that the Jewish leaders were, 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 were kind of bagging on him because you know, they, they said, you're, you're just making these things up. These, these, these things aren't from God. They're from your own heart, right? And, and so he said, if anyone's willing... To do what God wants you to do, if you, if you are willing to do God's will in your life, then you will know correct teaching. That's something that's important for us to understand. If I want to be taught, I have to be willing to do what God is teaching me to do. If I'm not willing to do it, he's not going to lead me to understand it. And, and I would say, based on this truth, that there are many people who desire to have a greater knowledge of, of, of the Lord, greater things, I mean, more things that, that, that are in the Word, a, a deeper understanding, understanding of Bible doctrine. 
without the desire to live a holy life. And, and basically, our, our Lord is saying, you know, I, I want to give you truth. I want you to have truth. I'm giving it to you. I want you to understand it. But you need to be willing to apply it to your life. And if I'm not willing to apply it to my life, why should he bother to give me understanding? In my rebellious heart, right? That's just kind of the, 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 the way that that works. So to a degree that a believer is willing to obey the Lord is the degree to which that person will know the Lord's truth and understand God's truth. But we see here that this is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do this work of teaching us and of giving us understanding. As we see again, those two verses, teach me and I'll keep it. Give me understanding, I'll observe it with my whole heart. So we see the psalmist here committing in his heart, Lord, teach me your truth, and I'm going to keep it all my days. I, I, I will keep it uh, uh, to the very end. Give me understanding, Lord, and, and I will obey you. I will observe your law my whole life. I, I think that as we read those those verses and well these this level of commitment that the psalmist is making I think a natural question comes to us am I willing also particularly as we refer to the words of Jesus in John 7 am I willing to keep it to the end Am I desiring to keep the word of God to the end? Am I desiring to live a life of obedience to the Lord, regardless of whatever the cost may be? Am I wanting to observe God's law my entire life? Again, the the understanding comes from God's Holy Spirit. Jesus, again, in John Chapter 14, verse 26. And this is in the midst of those chapters 13 through 16 as Jesus is in the upper room with his apostles celebrating the Passover meal. And this is a part of that upper room discourse. And he says there in that verse, but the helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He'll teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So it is is the work of God's Spirit to teach us. He is our teacher. I'm not really your teacher. I'm not really your Bible teacher as your pastor. The Holy Spirit is. Yet, He's given me the gift of teaching through which he, he does the teaching through me, right? So that, that's how that works in terms of the work of the Holy Spirit. We also see Paul writing to the Ephesians in chapter 1. 
beginning in verse 17. And, and at the end of this first chapter, in this section, we see that Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. And he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. A work of God's spirit. So I would ask you tonight, search your heart, Myself as well. We, we each one of us need to search our hearts. Are we willing to do what God tells us to do? Are we willing to keep the word of God? We, we know that Jesus said on that same night that we just uh, read from John 14, 26. And just a few verses before that, John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, Keep my what? Commandments. So it, it's a sign of, of our love. It's an indication of our love for God. And it kind of comes down to this, really, I think, that if, if, if obeying the word of God is an indication of my love for him, then not keeping the word of God is an indication of an indication of my lack of love for him, which probably means that I've got more love for myself than for the Lord. Basically, that, that, that's what that comes down to. So I think, I think it's a sobering kind of a thing that we need to, we, we need to consider. Now, verse 35, another, another request, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Notice, I delight in it, not in them. He's not saying I delight in your commandments. I delight in the path that your commandments lead me to. Make me walk in the path. I, I delight in that path, the path of your commandments. You know, following, following the, the word of God is going to lead us on a particular path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, right? As we see in verse 105 of this, of this same psalm. A little bit later, we'll be getting, we'll, we'll be getting to that in, in, in several weeks. But as we, as we see this, the, the delight is in that path. It's just an interesting thing to, to highlight here. Do you, do I, do we delight in the ways of God? Not simply in his commandments that cause us to walk in that way, but the way itself. Do we delight in that? Do, do, we like, do we delight in the kind of life that obedience to God brings to us? I, I know that in my 50 plus years of following the Lord, you know, I, um, I have been a very blessed man. You know, the, the, the song that we just sang, you know, singing of God's goodness, you know. Um, we sing of the goodness of God. He's been so good to us. He's been so good to me, uh, uh, to me and to Jeanette and our families, you know. And as, 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 as my precious bride is with him now, I still have to say God has been very good to me because he gave me 50 plus years with her, you know. He's been very, very good to me. 
you know, and um, I think it's crucial for us to be able to, you know, I mean, get to my place in life and, 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 and again, my bride being with the Lord now and I don't have her anymore and, of course, the loneliness, all, all this is a part of that. But you know what? It's like I've had it really, really good. I, I, I can't complain. I can't. Now, why have I had it good? Well, the Lord has just poured out his grace and his mercy upon me, you know, but walking with the Lord for that long, one of, one of the things I, 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 I notice is, and some of you guys who are a bit older, maybe older than myself, maybe not quite as old, but, you know, if, if you've been walking with the Lord for a few decades, and then you run into somebody that you, that you went to school with who has not followed the Lord, and, and one of the first things you think is, boy, he looks old. I know we're the same age, but he looks old. You know, and part of the blessing that God gives to us is when, when we walk in his ways, there's a protection for us in walking with his ways. You know, I mean, some of these guys that I might run into, which I don't normally, but I have, you know, a, a life of drugs and alcohol, that is a number on the body. God protected me from that. Because he, he gave me his word and a desire to follow it. You know, so it's like, you know what I mean? So that's a part of the goodness of God for us. It's part of the way that he has blessed us in so many ways. I, uh, one of my favorite verses in the Old Testament, I'm straying from my notes right now, which means we're going to take longer than I anticipated. I'll be careful. But one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite verses that you guys know, I've quoted this to you guys often, those of you who've been with us a while, uh, Deuteronomy 5.29, when God is speaking to Moses about the people of Israel. And he said, oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would keep my commandments, all, that they would obey me and keep my commandments always, that it will be well with them and with their children forever. See, that's the reason God gives us his word. That's the reason he, he gives commands. It's the reason he gives instruction because he wants it to be well with us and with our children forever. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? Why wouldn't we want to, to follow the word of God? Why wouldn't we want to obey and keep his commandments if that's his motive? He's not wanting to just remove um, pleasures from us. Well, the Bible does acknowledge pleasures. He, he, calls, he calls sin the passing pleasures of sin, right? So he acknowledges the pleasures, but he wants it to go well with us. And so his heart is pure toward us in that way. A delight in the path. Um, We see there in verse 35, as that prayer is, is, is made, uh, we not only delight in the path, but we also, as we have understanding of it, have understanding of, of his word and delighting in that path that his commandments lead us on, we also need his strength to do so. We need his strength to follow that path. So make me walk in the path. 
I need your strength, Lord. I, I love that path, but I need your strength to do it. I need your help to do it. Make me walk in that path that I love. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27. God speaking through the prophet, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Such a beautiful verse, isn't it? But we see God giving us his word by his Holy Spirit, giving us understanding by his Holy Spirit, and giving us the strength by his Holy Spirit to do what the word of God says to do. It's all about the grace of God coming through the presence of the Holy Spirit within and upon us. We can't do it without the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without God's Spirit within us. Verse 36, incline, incline my ear to hear your testimonies and not to covetousness. Excuse me, incline my heart, excuse me. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to covetousness. We, we know what covetousness is, right? I want, I want, I want. I want this, I want that. We, we, we see a contrast here between our heart being inclined toward God's word, his testimonies, and our heart being inclined to covetousness. And it's a very obvious contrast between the two. But guys, this needs to be a constant prayer of ours, especially living in a world that, that uh, in a culture that, that is so materialistic, so much stuff we can have. We get so distracted by the stuff, you know, and... I mean, you, you can you, you can go to bed at night. You can pick up your your your, your phone or your your, uh, your your iPad or whatever, and you you start you know looking at stuff. And before you know it, you're shopping. You spend a couple hundred bucks already, and it's like in your jammies while you're in bed. Has anybody ever done that? Oh, I I, I need some clothes. Oh, I need this. Oh, I need that. You know, and so it's like, you know, let's be careful. Let's be careful. There really is a spiritual entrapment that comes with that kind of a thing. A spiritual entrapment that comes with that. Because the ease with which we can buy stuff today really does encourage covetousness in us. So we, we need to ask God to incline our heart to his testimonies to obey his word and not our own hearts which are naturally covetous. Verse 37, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. I mean, it, it could very well be that, that uh, th this connection here between 36 and 37, incline my heart to your testimonies, turn my eyes away from 
looking at worthless things, even though I just cited the idea of looking at the phone, looking at the iPad, looking at whatever device you have, or maybe your, your laptop or whatever. And, and, and you know, it's like, how, many, how much time do we spend looking at things that are of no value whatsoever? Interested in this news and interested in that news and, and, and um, you, you know, it's it, it just an interesting things, thing, the way that this world can turn our eyes toward these worthless things. And again, a prayer that we need to be praying, Lord, turn away my eyes from looking at worthless things. Isaiah in Isaiah 33, 15 and verse 16, the Lord speaks through him. He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed and shuts his eyes from seeing evil, he will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. These are some of those worthless things. And, and when we look at this, it's like uh, despising oppressions, um, refusing bribes, not hearing of bloodshed, uh, shutting our eyes toward evil. It's kind of like, you know what? We need to leave the TV off and not watch the news. That's a description of the news. You're right? And some of us may watch too much of the news. It could be that we should watch none of the news. Not quite sure where to draw the line. I think each one of us has that line in our own hearts, really. But you know... Let's make sure that our eyes and our ears are open to the things that are of God. You know, less time doing those kinds of things, more time in the word of God. And, and we, the psalmist follows up with this is exactly there. Establish your word to your servant. Verse 38. See, this is the way that these prayers are going to be answered. Turn my eyes away from these things, these, these worthless things. It's really speaking about the, the, the idols that can be in our lives. Idols are worthless and vain. And yet the enemy props them up to be something of some value. They can be helpful to us in some way. Whatever that idol may be. But establish your word, Lord, to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. The idea here is a prayer that God would place his word in us so that our devotion and fear of the Lord would follow. Comes from the word of God. Psalm 145, 19 says, He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. Psalm 103, we have uh, several instances of blessings on those who fear the Lord. Uh, receive his, uh, those who fear the Lord receive his great mercy. 
from everlasting to everlasting, they receive also the Lord's pity or compassion. The Lord's mercies are new every morning. You know, as we talk about the grace and the mercy of God, that's what it's all about. God's grace and God's mercy that he extends toward us. Might we focus on what the, what the word of God speaks of these things in terms of his mercy and his grace. Verse 39, turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your judgments are good. Apparently, there, there was reproach coming upon this servant of the Lord who's writing this psalm. He says, turn, turn, my reproach, turn away my reproach. I dread this reproach that's coming upon me. Your judgments are, are good. Do it for that particular reason. Psalm 19.9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. So these judgments being good, they are true and righteous altogether. That is a reason that, that he wants his reproach turned away from him. He dreads the reproach. He dreads being reproached. He dreads being a reproach. And as God establishes his word in him that he might fear the Lord, the reproach will be removed. Again, it's all about the word of God getting into us and the value of God's word. You don't want to be reproached? Obey the word of God. Get the word of God in you. Follow the word of God. You want to be blessed? Follow the word of God. You, you, you want to find God's mercy? Follow the word of God. Fearing him as your God. And verse 40, finally, out, out of this first section here. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me in your righteousness. So the writer expressing his own longing for the word of God. His longing for the word of God. Later, we will, we will see, we read it already back in, in the end of this next uh, 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 stanza, verse 47 and 48, the expression of his love for the commandments of God, twice, each in, once in each of those verses, you know, and the, the longing for the precepts of God, you know, and, and, and again, that's a question that, that would be worthy for us to ask ourselves, do, do I, do we long for the word of God to come into our hearts? You know, um, I think it's, it, it can be very easy for us to get away from the habit of doing our devotions on a regular basis, being in God's Word on a regular basis. So here we are, J January 31st, four and a half weeks past New Year's Day, I'm certain that some of us in this room made a New Year's resolution that has something to do with, you know, I'm going to keep up with my devotions this year. I'm going to keep up with my Bible reading this year. Well, a month has passed. How are we doing? You know, I'm not saying this to bring a guilt trip. 
But if the shoe fits, I'm just, I'm just, I'm playing. I'm just playing. I, 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 I'm not, but it's like, I, I, I do want to illustrate, though, that with all of the things in this world that distract us from the Word of God, do we have a longing for the Word of God that can be stronger than the distractions that are more attractive to us than the distractions. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, there, there is this thing I mean, with the spiritual warfare. The, the Lord says, I'm giving, you, I'm giving you my word that you might grow, that you might get to know me better, that we might grow in intimacy with each other, that you might grow in intimacy with those around you as well. I give you my word so that it will be well with you. And then the enemy comes and dangles these other things in front of us, right? You know, it just it just brings to mind those 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 cartoons when we see, you know, the, an angel on one shoulder and the devil on another shoulder, and both of them are whispering into the ear. You know, not a bad depiction of spiritual warfare for us. You know, it's not. So. Do we have that kind of longing for the precepts of God? And then the cry, revive me in your righteousness. Back in verse 25 of, of, this, of this psalm, we, we saw these words, my soul clings to the dust, revive me according to your word. Here it's revive me according to righteousness, or revive me according to your word. Uh, we also see in uh, verse 107, uh, re revive me according to your word. In verse 88, it's re revive me according to your loving kindness. But it's the prayer, God, revive me. You know, um, in, in thinking about the new year and resolutions and all those kinds of things, When we do make a resolution, and whether it's at the new year or it could be the middle of July and, and the Lord is impressing upon us, you know, you need to get back into the word, man. And we're going, yeah, I know, Lord. I think resolutions are good to make any time we need to make them. Anytime the Lord might be bringing something to us, you know. You know, and please, if, if the Lord says something like this to you in the middle of July, don't say, you know, I'll, I'll deal with that on January 1st. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. But the point that I'm making is this. As we make that resolution, as we settle in our hearts, you know, I, 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 I need, Lord, to spend more time with you. I, I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to spend more time in your word. I, 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 I need to make myself available for, for more service, whatever it may be, maybe all of the above. And then we do those things. And we can find ourselves refreshed. Have you guys noticed that? Find ourselves refreshed. And my goodness, that's, not, that, that's something that, that our, our adversary doesn't want. He doesn't want us refreshed in following the things of God. And so he throws these other things at us, right? And, and, and then we 
we, we get hit and struck, and it's like we're, you know, it, it, we, we, we know we're hurting. It's, and it's like we're, we're, we're dying here. It's like, Lord, revive me according to your, your word. Revive me, Lord, according to your righteousness. I, I, I need new life again. And, and, and really, I, I think that that's an appropriate prayer to pray pretty much every day. You know, and, and I think what we ought to do, and I, I do this often just my, myself, just the idea of, of praying, Lord, just fill me with your spirit once again that I might have his freshness, have his love, have, have him flowing through me, his ministry, his, his fruit in my life. Lord, I need him today. Daily. Make that a regular prayer every single day. And, and Lord, revive me by the power of your word and your Holy Spirit. Let's move on to the next stanza. Um, as I shared with you in my Bible, it says W-A-W and other sources. I saw V-A-V, uh, Vav. Uh, that's, that's a better understanding of it from what I understand. So uh, that's what we'll call it. And verse 41 begins with that letter. But it reads, Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word. Verse 42, So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. A prayer for God's mercies and salvation. Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your word, according to what your word has to say, according to your promises. Oh, the word of God and the promises that are contained in the word of God, right? We find hope in those promises because God does not make a single promise to anyone that he will not keep. Why do we know that? Because he always is faithful. He's faithful to keep his word. God says he's going to do something. He's going to do it. God says this is going to happen. It's going to happen. God is faithful to his word. And so, According to your word, we pray. According to the word of God, praying for God's mercies and salvation. And of course, God's mercies are all tied up in what salvation is all about. You know, the, the grace of God giving us an understanding of our need, but the mercy of God being expressed through the salvation that we have in the sense of we do not have to pay the penalty for the sins that we've committed. That's God's mercy. According to your mercies, God, according to your word, bring that mercy, bring that salvation. God being faithful to keep his word in pouring out his mercies upon us that we might receive deliverance from sin and be brought to a place where we have relationship with the holy and righteous God. He gives us his holiness. He gives us his righteousness so that we can have a relationship with him. What an incredible, incredible thing. And then he writes, so 
as a result of this or because of this, in this manner, shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me. The salvation, the mercies that he's received, he's saying, this is my answer, for I trust in your word. I, I trust in what you have to say. I believe you're going to bring your mercy. You have brought your mercy. I pray for salvation. I'm receiving your salvation. It's a part of your word. It's a part of your truth. You're always faithful. I trust it. And this is my answer. We know that in 1 Peter 3.15, we see the words that we're to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that lies within us. But you see, the hope that we have is all based on the truth of God and the reality of salvation and the reality that, you know what, there's more to life than what we find here on this earth. That's a huge part of it. It's a huge part of it. The Apostle Paul, in writing in 1 Corinthians 15, that, that, that resurrection chapter, he says that if, if, if in this life only we have hope, we are the most miserable everybody in the world. We have hope, not just simply for life here, but life beyond because of what Jesus has done for us, right? And so we're to keep our eyes above and not below. Let's stop focusing on the things around us because we, we will grow depressed if all we do is just watch the news all day long. Watch what's going on around us. We need to keep our eyes above. We need to be worshiping. We need to be praising him. We need to be reading his word and allowing his truth to get into our heart and the, and the hope that comes from that truth. No, God help us to do so. But this hope that comes, the truth of God's word, and the mercies and the deliverance and salvation that he brings to us, that's our answer to people around us, you know. I have hope. You know, and, and even in that, that passage in 1 Peter 3 that we, that we quoted, you know, be, be, be ready, always be ready to give a, an answer or to give a defense for the hope that lies within you. It, it, that's written with the idea that, you know, people are watching you, and when they see that you have some kind of hope that they don't have, that, that you have hope, that you're not being destroyed by this thing that happened in your life, which has destroyed the life of somebody else that they know, or even themselves. How can you have this, th th this peace when this has happened to you? That's an opportunity to share Jesus with them. It's an opportunity to share the basis for the hope and the reality of that peace and joy that you have. Verse 43, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. Um, this appears to me, guys, that the psalmist is saying that, you know, don't allow... Lord, please, don't allow your word to stop proceeding from my mouth. And then he says, for, for, um, for I have hoped in your ordinances. The, the, this law, your ordinances, your word, 
I don't want to stop speaking it because if I stop speaking it, then I'm going to lose my hope because my hope is in those very words. Not my words, but your words, God. So don't let them leave my lips. Don't let them depart in such a way that I don't repeat them ever again. Speaking the word of truth to others around us. And, and, and this could even include memorizing verses and reciting them out loud. When, when you're by yourself. Guys, when we're shaving, looking in the, looking in, in the mirrors, or, 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 or ladies, when you're doing your makeup, or whatever it might be, you know, just quoting those verses. You know, starting the day. You know, th- this life that comes, that's where our hope will, will be found. In verses 44 to 48 here, as we move toward the end of, of this particular stanza, we, we do see that these are all verses, we, we could say that these are verses of self-consecration, uh, um, promises to God that are made, um, commitments to God that are made. This is what I'm going to do, Lord. You give me your word, this is what I'm going to do. It's just the commitments that we make in our hearts. So verse 44, so shall I keep your law continually forever and ever. This idea of having God's word being uttered out of my mouth continually. So as you allow me, Lord, to continue to speak your word, I'm going to keep your law continually forever and ever. I already quoted out of Deuteronomy 5.29. It fits right here. Again, oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments that that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You know, commitment to always obey the Lord, which is a sure way of finding God's blessing. Well, God, let's be careful. Um, Obeying God isn't a method by which we can find God's blessing. Obeying God because we love Him. Obeying God because we see Him as God and we're not. Submitting to Him and obeying Him because He deserves that from us. I'm his servant. I'm his child. He's my Lord. He's my Father. And so I will obey him. Now I realize by reading scripture, when I do that, I'm going to find blessing. But I'm not doing it just to find blessing. I'm finding it because he's worthy to be obeyed. I love him. So I will obey him. He's my God. That's when we find the blessing through keeping the word of God. Does that make sense, guys? We have to be careful because we can have a non-believer think, oh, I just do these things. Okay, I'll find all the commands. I'll just do them and then I'll, I'll find blessing. Someone will never worship him 
but just do it in order to have a good life. You know, so we, we, we do need certainly to be careful with that. Verse 45, and I will walk at liberty for I seek your precepts. The freedom that we find in the word of God and following the word of God. Proverbs 4.12 says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. So walking with the Lord in such a way that we can do so unhindered, with freedom. I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts, right here in verse 45. And it certainly reminds us of what Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The freedom of God's word. Abiding in the truth. Abiding in God's word. That gives us freedom. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. He wrote, Saints find no bondage in sanctity. The spirit of holiness is a free spirit. He sets men at liberty and enables them to resist every effort to bring them under subjection. The way of holiness is not a track for slaves, but the king's highway for free men. See, we walk with him, we obey him, we're free to do so. It gives us freedom. We want to. We're doing what we want to do. Rather than the entrapment that, that is found in committing sin. Sin enslaves us. The word of God frees us. So we see that truth very clearly uh, in these verses. And I will speak of your testimonies. Another commitment, another thing that I, that, that I pledge I'm going to do, Lord. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. This, of course, is something that, that the Lord said in, in, in Matthew uh, 24 and 25. That, 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 that's what his followers, the, the uh, uh, um, apostles and disciples who were with them then in particular, they would stand before kings, and he told them, you know, if, when you do stand before a king, you, you know, don't, don't plan ahead of time what you're going to speak, but allow me to just speak through you. I'll give you words to speak. The Apostle Paul spoke before kings, we know. Others have had opportunity to speak before kings and without being ashamed. In 2 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 8, 8 through 12, these five verses. I want to I read this uh, with you. It's a, it's a beautiful passage about not being ashamed. Paul, writing to Timothy, try, tells him, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Here's this grace again. His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. 
but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. So much of these words that we, we, we were looking at this on Sunday, going through First Peter. You know, uh, uh, Jesus uh, 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 chosen before the foundation of the world to, to do what he was going to do. And just recently, he did this, and the, the mystery revealed, and so forth. And, and again, Paul writing of the same thing here. But he began by saying, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. A man who was crucified. Can't you hear some people saying, in fact, I've heard this said, what kind of God is that who gets himself crucified? Right? Don't be ashamed of that. In fact, he didn't get himself crucified. He voluntarily went to that cross. He didn't do something to deserve it. He voluntarily went. He says, don't be ashamed of, of, of me, his prisoner. Let's continue reading here in verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know, this is powerful, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. I'm not ashamed of being a prisoner. I know why I'm a prisoner. And I also know who it is that I have believed. I have believed God Almighty. And He's able to keep me. He's able to preserve me in what I've committed to Him, committing myself to Him. He's able to keep me, preserve me, until that day, capital letter day, speaking of the final day, which includes the day of judgment. He's going to keep me. My life has already been judged in Jesus Christ. I know whom I believed. I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I think there's a real key there in relation to living life the way that we, living life in the world that we live in and the difficulties and the afflictions that we go through. And because we, if we can say, I know whom I have believed and I know he's able to keep me, he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that final day, until he comes back, until judgment takes place, until uh, the, 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 the millennial reign, until the final judgment, all that, I'm okay. I'm okay. I pray that all of us will always be able to say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm fine. Do I like it? No. Is it convenient? No. Is it painful? Yeah. Does it, does it bring sorrow? Yeah. But you know what? I'm okay. Because you see, we've all got more than what's in this world to live for. We have eternity before us, right? And the one who's promised us that eternity is always faithful and he is able. He's able to bring it about and he's able to keep me 
That's why I've placed my life in his hands. What, what a beautiful, beautiful passage that is. And let's close here in verse 47 and 48 here in Psalm 119. And I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Delighting ourselves in the word of God, loving the word of God, lifting up our hands to the word of God. You know, we, we, we talk about lifting our hands up to the Lord himself. We lift our hands up to praise him. But here we see lifting up our hands to his commandments through which he reveals himself to us. Do we love his law? Do we love his word in that way? I pray that we do. Meditating on his statutes, meditate on his word. Now let's remember these words, statutes, commands, testimonies, precepts that we see in these last four verses. All of those are a reference to the word of God. Not just simply the law of Moses. For us, it, it represents the entirety of the word of God. Certainly, we are going to, even now as we're going to be preparing our hearts for communion, we are going to express our thankfulness to God for what he's done for us. We're going to express our love for what he has told us, our love for his word. Do you love God's word? I pray that you do. I, I think in a very real way, I mean, loving God if, if we love God, we will love his word. And loving his word is tantamount to loving God. Because these are the words that God brought to us, right? And right now we're going to celebrate and remember not something that we've seen with our eyes, not in the flesh, in a movie perhaps. But God did for us through Jesus bringing him that he might cause us to live. Uh, now, could you come up and lead us in a, a worship song?